Years ago, I was a frustrated homeowner. It seemed every week when I would set the trash out, the dogs in the neighborhood would come and rip the trash all over everything, all over everywhere. And, and I looked down the street and, and the houses, the trash was all over. And so I, every, I tried, I double bagged, I, I made sure things were, were secure and it still happened every week. And I, I, was, I was frustrated, I, I didn't know what to do. And suddenly I realized one neighbor way down the street never had that problem. I happened to know him, so I went up to him one day and I, I called him by name and said, what's the deal? My trash is all over my yard. The neighbor's trash is all over everywhere. And your trash sits out there pristine, ready to be picked up by the trash man. And you don't have to go and clean up afterwards. He smiled at me and he said, well, Doug, you, you haven't learned how to make your trash unappealing to the dogs. And I went, unappealing to the dogs? And he said, yes. It's a simple little process. You take your trash out there and you set it by the curb. And you take about a quarter of a cup of bleach and you just pour it over the, the plastic bags and the dogs will leave it alone. He said, Doug, you've got to bleach the trash. And I went, well, sounds like a plan. So the next uh, trash day I went out and I put my trash, I stacked it up all over and I never could figure out how we always had more trash than anybody in the neighborhood, I don't know. But uh, we, we, we piled it all up and I took a quarter of a cup of bleach Actually, I took a half a cup because I wanted to make sure it worked. And I dumped it all over the bags. I got it all over my clothes. And anyways, we'll leave that alone. But uh, sure enough, the next morning, I was so excited to get up to find out that my trash was not tore up all over the yard. And my neighbors was. And I just smiled. And, and uh, over the course of the next several weeks, I continued to experiment. And then I continued to tell our neighbors. And, and uh, the, the, the trash was not all over the neighborhood. We learned, uh, to have, learned how to bleach the trash. An application, I think, of the attitude that we as God's children need to have towards sin uh, in our lives. We need to learn to bleach the trash. We need to learn to make sin uh, unappealing uh, towards us. We speak of, of uh, burning the bridges behind us as we make a decision for Christ and, and we go forward, that the old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. We burn the bridges behind us. We build a hedge about us uh, by the word of God, by the truth of scripture, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, we build a hedge around ourselves. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 13, verse number 14, where the Bible says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it and the lust thereof. Bleach the trash. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11, the Bible says, as a dog returneth to its vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Well, stop and, and think about that verse for a few moments. As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. So a, a, a person returns to the sin of the old man and the sin of the old nature. I have a, a friend of mine years ago used to preach a message on this verse uh, uh, that, that he called new vomit, but the same old puke. <laughs> Dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. So we find ourselves here in Romans chapter 6 this morning 
when Paul deals with this aspect of sin and grace, of, of salvation, uh, of the flesh and the old man, the old nature of sanctification uh, and, and becoming more like Christ every day. So there's some uh, truths that we want to examine this morning uh, from Romans chapter 6, uh, bleach the trash. First thing we have to understand is the sinful flesh, our sinful flesh. You know, the Bible never paints any positive light of, uh, upon our flesh. It paints a pretty bleak picture of man, a pretty bleak picture of sin, of man's proclivity to sin, his, his tendency towards sin. It paints a, a picture of the devastating effects on a man's life, upon his family, upon his society, uh, of humanity, upon society as a whole, as we reject God's word and follow uh, sin, the sinful flesh. We're familiar with the scripture where it says all is sin and comes short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3. Galatians chapter uh, 3 tells us the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise of faith by, of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Mankind is sin, sinful, and the promise of faith is through Christ Jesus. Psalm chapter 58, verse, uh, the, the cha chapter says, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Stop and think about that for a moment. A little baby comes forth. The Bible says they're a sinner. They come forth speaking lies. We're sinners by birth. I'm always interested in the fact that uh, you walk, walk by the nursery and the, the new babies are there. You have these cute little bald things that have wrinkles all over and they have no teeth and they're, they're drooling and everyone goes, oh, you're so cute. Add 70 years onto them, they're bald, wrinkles and no teeth and drooling and they're not so cute after all. Well, that little baby is born into this world, the scripture says, as a sinner. We're sinners by birth. We're sinners by nature. It is our natural tendency to sin. We have curriculum in our church for Sunday school in Awana. We have curriculum in our, our youth program. We have curriculum in, in, uh, in, our, in our Christian school uh, to help teach children to do right and help teach children to uh, follow righteousness and obey God. Uh, we, we teach our parents to teach our children uh, how to do right. At, at no point in our curriculum at, in the nursery, in Awana, in our preschool, in, in our teen program, at no point in our curriculum, Mr. Pluitt, ICA, correct me if I'm wrong, at no point in our curriculum do we teach children to sin. No. But they do it anyways. They follow that path. All our sinners, we're all under the condemnation of sin. We're born with sin. We're sinners by nature. Soon we become sinners by choice. That young child, that uh, uh, toddler, that uh, uh, young teenager uh, soon begins to choose sin over not sinning. They know right, they, they, they've been taught right, and yet they choose that they're going to do it. We've all had this situation happen uh, with, with, our, with our own children. Don't do that. And suddenly they'll, they'll look and they'll turn their head a little bit and go, no, I'm going to do that anyways. 
And we sit back and as a parent we say, I wish you hadn't done that because this is now the consequences of what's going to take place. So they choose to sin. And that choice over a period of years and sometimes decades uh, find themselves in, in, in teenagers and young adults and adults where that, that nature of sin, uh, of, uh, of following after sin and following after unrighteousness that has become a choice of, of disobedience towards God suddenly becomes a habit, suddenly becomes a preference. We prefer sin over not sinning. The sinful flesh. I don't understand this sinful flesh. We, we must go back all the way to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were created in perfection. Created in the, Bible says, in the image and likeness of God. A perfect reflection of God in His holiness, of God in His, his character. Uh, God told them uh, there are certain restrictions upon them of what they could do and what they couldn't do, and they made a choice. And that choice was sin. That choice was disobedience towards God. And that sin uh, broke the, the image of God, broke the reflection of God in their life. You've all held in your hand or, or looked into a mirror at times, and, and, and a mirror that's broken is still a reflection, but it's all distorted. You can't restore it. You can't make it perfect once again. I, had, uh, I, I carry in my Bible a, a mirror that's broken. That's far. I, I, I'm looking at seeing the reflections. It's got little dots all over everybody. This, this was a mirror in, in, a, in my vanity mirror. Why do they call it a vanity mirror in, your tr in, my, in my car, my truck? You, know, you pull the mirror down, and I always have to check my hair to make sure my hair is all straight. And that reflection, because the mirror is broken, isn't an accurate reflection of, of, of my hairdo. You say, Brother Doug, that's a good thing. Well, that may be the case. But the sin in our lives has broken. The, the, has broken the reflection of God and His righteousness and, and our fellowship and communion with Him. And try as we may to restore that reflection. I have a piece of tape on the back of this, but it's still broken. Try as we may to restore that reflection. No amount of righteousness, no amount of good works, no amount of our actions, no amount of our fleshly uh, 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 works can restore that image of God, can restore that broken fellowship with God, can erase the consequence of sin in our lives. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. There's a price tag for this sinful flesh. For Adam and Eve, it was a separation from the Garden of Eden, a, a, a broken fellowship with God, and ultimately death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, by one man sin had entered the world, and death by sin, and so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Every child born, every child in, in humanity is born with a stain of sin inherited from his parents, who inherited from their parents, who inherited it from their parents, who inherited all the way back to the Garden of Eden when the reflection of God, the image of God was broken by sin. 
God would provide ultimately a covering for the sin. God would provide ultimately a, a restoration of fellowship with God. God would provide ultimately uh, access to God and atonement for sin. Throughout the Old Testament, we find uh, the sacrificial system of, of, uh, of the Old Testament, the, the sacrifices that were given, the offerings that were given, the sacrifice of innocent animals, that their blood was sacrificed, ultimately pointing to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says in John 3.16, you would know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, friend, uh, as we understand our sinful uh, flesh, as we understand the penalty of sin, uh, of eternity without Christ, uh, uh, in damnation in hell, as we understand there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves in this sinful flesh to please God or correct that, that sinful flesh to, to restore the broken image of God in, in our lives. It's done by Christ alone forgiveness of sin, the ultimate atonement. Jesus said in John 14, verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, the first aspect of understanding bleaching the trash is understanding the sinful flesh that, uh, that uh, we're sinners by, by nature, we're sinners by birth, we're sinners by preference, and there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves, in and of our flesh, to change that. It's only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that, that forgives and cleanses us from sin, our sinful flesh. Number two, we must see the Savior's strength. The Savior's strength. Again, nothing in the Scripture speaks positively of the flesh. It speaks positively of our own works. It speaks positively of, of, of our, the old man, the old creature, the old, old nature that we have in Christ. No man can cleanse his flesh. No man can change his flesh or conquer his flesh in and of himself. It's only by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ and him alone. And we understand from Scripture that Christ redeems us from the penalty of sin at salvation. I'm thankful that when I, when I came to Christ, my eternal fate was sealed. When I realized I was a sinner, that there was nothing that I could do to change that fact, uh, as a junior high teenager, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that it sealed for all eternity uh, the penalty of sin in, in, in my life, the ultimate penalty of sin. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. The penalty of sin. Christ redeems us from the power of sin in, in our daily walk. 
You know, as we walk with God, as we, as we uh, uh, go throughout our day, as we go throughout the week, as we make decisions, as we do things, uh, we can have victory over sin by the blood of Christ in our daily lives and our daily walk. Christ redeems us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and ultimately from the very presence of sin itself. When, 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 uh, when we meet Christ and when, we're, when we, our salvation is complete. Look there at Romans chapter 6, verse 11, the passage we read earlier. Uh, the Bible says, uh, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dead but alive under that, underline that in your Bibles. Verse number 8, if we be dead in Christ, we believe also that we shall live with him. The only hope, the only glory, the only power we have to live in victor a victorious Christian life, to live in victory over sin as we seek to please God, as we seek to, to live for the Lord, is in his power and his strength alone. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. As we uh, bleach the trash, as we burn the bridges, as we put sin behind us and live for Christ today, as we wish we will uh, as we when we stand before him in eternity. Call this the process of growth and progressive sanctification in our lives as we become more and more like Christ every day by his power and by his glory to his honor, more and more like Christ every day and less and less like the old man of sin. See, there's a, a spiritual warfare going on. Not, not for your salvation. That was paid. The, the penalty of sin was paid for at Calvary for all of eternity. There, there's not a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your service. Ephesians reminds us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the evil day and having done all to stand. There's a spiritual battle going on. A battle of the old man trying to rise his old claws into our lives and try to cause us to fall and fail and sin and disappoint God and disobey God and blacken the eye of his, our Savior. Jesus says, the Bible says here that we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle to defeat this old man. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be, be serious-minded, be vigilant. It means be on your toes and be ready for, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan walks around our, our lives and walks around our, our, our homes and, and, and looks to tear the trash up and, 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 and tear the believer up and, and crush him down. I was supposed to be sober and be ready and be prepared, be on your toes. Galatians 5, verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you ought. We can look in Romans where Paul says, I know the things that I ought to do and I know the things that I do. And there's a, there's a, a, a tension between the two. 
We must go forward in the power and the blood of Christ and not in our own flesh. We must burn the bridges behind us and, and, and make sin less appealing in our lives, less appealing to the old man and the old flesh. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, We are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. This is a spiritual battle that we face. And we must face it with the power of God and the power of, of the risen Savior in our lives uh, day by day. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 31, I die daily. The old man, the old flesh is, is, uh, is crucified. The old flesh is put to death. How does this all take place? How does this all gel together as we, we see the Savior's strength? As we understand the sinful flesh, all takes place. By understanding our absolute foundation of, of salvation in Christ and our absolute understanding of his strength and ability as we go through our, our walk with, with our daily walk. Brings us to number three, how this all gels together, the sanctifying provision. Sanctification by his power and by his grace becoming more and more like Christ every day. Stronger in our faith, stronger in our walk with him, and less and less like the old man. Less and less like the, the old, uh, the, the, the man of sin, the, the flesh, the man that we used to be prior uh, to salvation by his strength and by his glory. This is our personal sanctification. I am what I am by the grace of God. God has redeemed me. God has lifted my feet out of the miry clay and placed my feet upon a rock to his honor and to his glory. Speaks of our progressive sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit to directing and, 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 and encouraging and strengthening us by the word of God, uh, by his strength and by his power and by his grace alone uh, day by day. I'm reminded of the verse in Proverbs where this Bible says the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more until, until uh, uh, more and more until the perfect day. I'm reminded of the song we sing, uh, sweeter as the days go by, richer, fuller, deeper, Jesus' love is sweeter. Aren't you thankful for, for God, for the strength and the growth in your own life? I'm thankful to God I'm not the man I was uh, as a junior high teenager when I came to Christ. I'm thankful to God uh, that uh, I'm not the man I was 15 years ago. I'm thank thank thankful to God to his honor and glory. I'm not the man I was 10 years ago. I'm thankful to God. And you, you can continue that, 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 that path and pattern. Are you growing in your Christian life? Are you growing and maturing in your walk with God in the process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ and less and less like the old man, uh, the, our sanctification? Now, this takes place, this all comes together, and this brings us to our passage uh, in Romans chapter 6, number 1, or letter A, we must know. Know, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead in Christ, we believe also that we shall live with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead Death, uh, dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Knowing this, the Bible says, know this. 
the doctrinal truth, the understanding of the nature of sin, the understanding of salvation in Christ, the understanding of eternal life and the experience that Christian can have in walking with Christ every day, knowing this. Verse 6 and verse 9 have the word knowing. They're two different words in, 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 our, in, our, in, in the Bible. Verse 9 speaks of knowing, means to learn or to come to know, to have a personal knowledge, an intimate relationship, an understanding, a knowledge to perceive, to understand, or to grow. That's verse number 6. Knowing this, our old man is crucified with him. Know this and understand that. Have that understanding and relationship with God. Verse 9, he says to know that Christ being raised from the dead, uh, death hath no more dominion over him. Means to, to perceive a different word. Means to perceive with our eyes, to see it, to, to feel it, to understand it, to notice it, to discern it, to discover it in our own lives and to pay attention to speaks of this knowledge of Christ. Reminded of 1 John 1, uh, where the Bible says, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. We've seen it. Uh, uh, it it's something that, uh, that we experience at Calvary. It's something that we experience when, when we come to Christ. It's something we experience as we mature and grow and walk in, according to the Spirit of God. The Bible says in Galatians 2, verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth, liveth in me. Knowing this means to count on it. Know it as a biblical truth. Take knowledge of it and be aware of it and understand uh, this truth in our lives that salvation is in Christ and Christ alone. And following salvation, we, we walk with God. We grow in our daily walk and, and life. Uh, we, we feed the new man. We starve the old man. We, we become more and more like Christ and less and less like the, the, the old man. Paul says to know this. Notice he uses the, these word knowledge and different aspects of knowledge and four different times. Verses 3, verse 6, verse 9, and verse 16. Why? Because Satan wants to keep us in the dark. We have the idea and thought that, you know, I, hey, I get saved and what a joyous, wonderful experience and a, a smile on our face. The, the burden of sin is lifted and, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, the next day or two days later or a week later, at some point in the future, uh, Satan grabs a hold of us and, and slams us down. We make sinful choices, sinful decisions. If we sit back and scratch our head and say, oh, I, I, I'm saved. I thought I was on my way to heaven. How could I do this? We live in defeat rather than victory. Satan can't have your soul, but he certainly desires your service. He seeks to, seeks to sidetrack us in our walk with God. Seeks to, to cause us to foul up and to trip and to fail and be discouraged. And we must bleach the trash. We must know it. We must reckon, verse 11, Reckon ye yourselves to be dead and to sin, but alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Reckoning is the, uh, the doctrinal, uh, the, because, understanding that because of the doctrinal truth, the doctrinal understanding of salvation and the old man, the old things and, 
and uh, the, the man of righteousness and living a life pleasing to God, reckon, reckoning these should be true in our lives. Reckoning is an accounting term. It means to calculate. It means to sit down and, and evaluate and, and look at the ledgers and make sure the ledger is consistent with one another, especially when dealing with uh, transactions that have not yet, be, have not yet been, um, been, been fully, fully uh, brought together. You know what it is to reconcile your bank statement? You got deposits that are outstanding, you got checks that are outstanding, and you, you, you put them down, and you balance it out, and you reconcile the statement one to another. I'm thankful to God that my life is reconciled to Christ. That transaction that took place as a junior high teenager, uh, though not complete yet, will be completed that one day and be reconciled together. And my life, my purpose, my drive, my desire, my goal is to measure up to the, to the, to the, uh, the, the promises and measure up to the principles and the teaching of, of the Word of God. Measure our lives to that understanding that I belong to him and all that I am and all that I hope to be is for Christ and Christ alone. I must act accordingly. I quoted Galatians 6.20. I purposely left off the second half of that verse. Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Notice it says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Living by faith in the Son of God. Paul said in Philippians 1 verse 21, uh, uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Practicing today how I wish I will, would have once I, when I stand before him in all eternity. Looking at that reconciled account in my life by the precious blood of Christ. Realizing that I'm not what I, I'm not what I used to be, praise God. And I'm not what I will be as I continue to seek to honor him and grow by his grace and strength. And I go forth burning the bridges of sin. As I go forth, building a hedge in my life of the word of God around me. As I go forth, bleaching the trash of sin in, in, in my life, in our lives day by day. Practicing it, counting on it, taking it into account, reconciling, taking inventory and concluding the truth to be true in, in our lives. Practicing it daily, resting upon the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the direction of, our, of, the, of the scripture in spite of our feelings, in spite of the circumstances around us to, to the praise and honor of Christ uh, and Christ alone. Reckon these things to be true in your lives. Wanted, the Bible says in Romans 6, dead but alive. Picture with me, a, 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 you're in the old, old west. An old scraggly tree, there's a wanted poster. You've seen them in the old westerns. Wanted. Dead or alive. Well, God has a wanted poster for you. It's wanted, dead, but alive. Dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Christ hath redeemed us 
from the curse of the law. Uh, Christ, uh, through his power and strength, uh, gives us uh, victory over sin through his word as we read it, as we apply it, as we surrender to it on a day-by-day basis. The Bible says here in Romans 6 that we must know, we must reckon, and then lastly, we must yield. Yield. Let us, verse number 12, let not therefore sin reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those which are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of, unright- of righteousness unto God. Yield. Let not sin reign in your bodies. Neither yield unto sin. Yield yourselves unto God, alive, dead but alive. Now, we know what it is to yield. At least I hope you know what it is to yield. Sometimes I wonder, out at the intersection uh, where I live out in the country, people don't yield accordingly. They don't even stop at the stop sign, much less yield. Sometimes eternity will be, everybody pulls up to the four-way intersection at the same time, and there are traffic laws that say, who goes first? Now, Wisconsin, by and large, you live in the rural areas, they're, uh, they're, they're very polite drivers. And that's eternity at a four-way because everybody will sit there going, go ahead, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Uh, and and it, I used to I remember how many times I'd ride, uh, we'd, we'd chuckle I'd be, as a chaplain with the police department. We'd drive with the police officers. He says, hey, let's go out and have some fun. And we'd go to the four-way stops because no one wants to yield to the, you know, when the police officers are there, they want to make sure he's going to go first. Yield means to surrender your right, surrender the right of way. And here the scripture says we must yield ourselves, surrender, give, our, give the right of way to God in our lives as a new creature in Christ, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ. Yield yourselves, not as instruments unto sin. We have number of instruments on this on the platform each provide a different element a different aspect of, of the service and, the, and here scripture says don't to yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness unto God he's speaking of the members of our of our body our, our, our tongue our hands our feet our eyes our minds the the, the word instruments is the, the, the instruments of, of the, the the Roman soldier the the instruments of, of warfare again the reminder of the spiritual warfare uh, that we have in Romans chapter Ephesians chapter 6 our eyes as instruments of righteousness unto God our hands as instruments of righteousness unto God our feet as instruments of righteousness unto God. Our mind, our tongue, uh, as instruments of righteousness unto God. We yield them to God. We we yield that right of way. We yield that direction, that ownership. Uh, It's not I, but Christ liveth in me. Let not, the Bible says, yield. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. There's a decision. It's a personal choice, a personal determination with the power of God, with the strength of of God to stop allowing sin to reign, to sit in the seat of authority, to sit in the seat of of, uh, absoluteness in our lives. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. Stop it. 
Refuse it. Rather, yield yourself unto Christ. So ultimately, this question of knowing and reckoning and yielding boils down to a decision that's made. To whom will ye yield? To whom will you give a direction and authority and control in your life? The old man? The flesh? The devil? Or will you yield yourself unto God and God alone? Romans 13, verse 14, put ye on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it and the lust thereof. Make no provision. Don't allow it to, to take place. Uh, uh, go, go home and, and burn up the thing that's uh, causing problems. Pour it down the drain. Throw it away. Bleach the trash. Build a hedge. Burn the bridges behind you. Make no provision for the flesh. Galatians 5, walk in the spirit and ye shall fulfill, uh, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Turn with me over to the book of Colossians chapter 3. We yield ourselves to God. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read several verses here. If ye then be risen with Christ, there's a conditional statement. If you're risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. If we're a child of God, our affection, our attention should be upon the things of God. Verse 5. Mortify your members. Put to death your members which are upon the earth. Gives a laundry list. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put these things off. Bleach the trash. Uh, uh, burn the bridges. Get, get rid of them. Put off. If, if you've been risen with Christ, put these things off. Verse 8. Put off also these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, communication out of your mouth. And, and verse 10. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. He gives us this laundry list of things to put off. But now he gives us a list of things to put on. Things, a list of things to follow. Put on, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing uh, one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, uh, even as Christ hath forgiven you, so forgive ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Bleach the trash. Yield yourselves. Say no to sin. We often know and quote Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, what's the next word? That ye present yourselves a living sacrifice. That word present is the same word we have translated in other places in Scripture as the word yield. We present ourselves a living sacrifice unto God. We yield. We give the nod. We give the handshake or the, the hand direction. We yield. We surrender. We say, God, not me. Not I. 
not the old man, not the, 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 the man of flesh. I yield myself to you to live for you as you would have me to, to do listed in your, word, in your word today. We must simply determine the problem that we face in our lives. That's sin. We find a solution to that sin. It's in the word of God. The armament of God, Ephesians chapter 6. And we follow it through victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you, the Bible says. Now don't get me wrong. I, I do not mean to minimize the battle of the, with the flesh. They do not mean to minimize the old nature, to minimize the old man. I don't mean to, to simplify the solution. It's an ongoing, raging battle. But my friend, victory is possible through the risen Savior. Bleach the trash. Joshua chapter 24, the Bible says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. There's that decision. There's that yielding. Choose ye who you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the floods, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But notice what Joshua says. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. A yielding, a knowing, a reckoning, and a yielding that takes place. The story is told of a little girl who, who was put to bed one night and mom tucked her in and had a word of prayer with her and, and patted her on her head and left the room, turned the lights out. She, she, she suddenly, a, a, little bit, a little bit later, mom heard a thud on the ground and heard the little girl crying and, and, uh, and, uh, and mom came in to comfort her and, and mom said to the little girl, why did you fall out of bed? The little girl said, well, Mom, I, I guess I stayed too close to the place where I got in. You know, and that's how it is in, our, in Christians' life sometimes. They come to Christ. They have the, the penalty of sin forgiven in their lives, and they stay too close to where they got on board. They stay too close to the old man, the man of sin. They, 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 they continue to make decisions that to violate the truth of Scripture, to violate the direction of, of, of the Word of God. They live a life of defeat, discouragement, and heartache. When Scripture tells us here to submit ourselves to God, to resist, that means to fight. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. We must get as far away from sin as we can as a child of God. We must feed the, 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 the new man, the new nature, and starve the old man and starve the old nature and live by God's grace and by mercy, God's mercy, live to the honor and the glory of Christ as we bleach the trash in our lives. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, the image, the reflection of God has been broken in your life because of sin. We would love to have the opportunity to take the word of God and show you from scripture how you can know forgiveness of sin. How you can know a purpose and direction in life. How you can have an eternity in heaven uh, based upon the word of God and the shed blood of Christ 
We'd love to have the opportunity to show you that. If you're here today as a child of God struggling with sin, struggling with the old man, I pray today that uh, each of us would know, would reckon, and yield ourselves unto God.